Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 104, previewing the good. We're not previewing good episodes, we're previewing the good. That's crazy. We're broadcasting live, alive for us from our worldwide shed quarters, plural. Once again, in Blacksburg, Virginia, Radford, Virginia, we're on a double Zoom podcast episode with my good friend, Jesse Fury. What's up, Jesse? What's up, Reed? It is so good to be with you here on Zoom from our double global shed quarters worldwide. Amen. I just got shed quarters envy uh, in our pregame discussion because Jesse is putting a bathroom at some point <laughs> in shed quarters. And it's the I, only thing I'm missing is a oh, bathroom, you know? Dude, dude, that's going to be so nice because I, I can tell you running out in the, you know, when it's super cold winter to the house, to the bathroom, you, you feel like you're, you're losing out or something. So not that, not that I am or complaining about the shed quarters, but Being, I love yeah, that you're getting yeah, a bathroom. I mean, <laughs> having, a, having your own little bathroom is kind of like... It's the it's the kind of final like this is my space. Yeah, I can I can work here. And and my wife's not like down with me like like going in the yard or anything. <laughs> so you neighbors, <laughs> are we recording this? I, I have like acres of woods behind my house, and even still, I feel a little bit like oh, I don't do it. I just threaten out loud just crazy stuff like that to Casey, so she can think that yeah. I'm immature and. And of course, Casey, I'm not going to go in the yard in the in the daytime. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to Jesse, we're talking about previewing the good. This is a different sort of episode for us in the sense that we're on the edge of a new kind of series of podcasts, which have been inspired by a book. And I'll see if I can get this on camera. Yes, the book called Science, Science. and the Good: The, the good. Tragic Quest for the Foundations of Morality. And this book is written by two scholars. It's kind of a nerd book. It's not like, hey, this is the book of the... We're not reviewishing this. Um, but this book has been really, really helpful to me. It's published 2018, and we're previewing the good today. Because, look, this book is about the modern quest to define right morality uh, with just scientific naturalism or kind of without God in view. Obviously cultures and places and people for thousands and thousands of years in human history, wherever you go, if you have God or gods, usually um, morality is related to God. And certainly in our tradition, Jesse, that we follow Jesus, Jesus gave, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commands. Why? His commands aren't burdensome. They're good for us. You know, you shall not give false testimony or lie or commit murder. Uh, If you don't know what good is, certainly uh, we're in trouble as a society. Now, the interesting thing and why we're taking up this series, why what is good or what is just really, really matters to us, right? Um, And I would say the existence of goodness or the good or justice, right? Uh, Lining up our lives in a courts a way that's good, right, just, and true matters immensely. Now, it becomes very difficult, Jesse, to do the good together, right, if we don't think there's anything that is that is the good out there, right? And this is the problem with various theories about morality today. We want to do good together. We want to do what's right. We want to uh, work for justice. And in that conversation, we're not simply talking about nonsense. We're talking about something real, right, real. 
So, Jesse, um, is there such a thing as the good or the right or justice in this universe? Is this a moral universe in your mind? I'm going to go on the record and say yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> so it seems to me, I, and I have not read the book yet, Reed, but it seems to me that that it's hard to do good together for at least two main reasons. So so let me know if this accords yeah. with what you're reading. Yeah. One is what you already mentioned, the the ontological objective reality of whether or not there is a good. That's right. right? That's right. Uh, um, you know, so in the and maybe we would say before the modernity and enlightenment, and maybe maybe uh, uh, there there was a conception of um, our what we see is a sign, is it, it images something beyond that sign. Right. You know, for for Plato, it was the world of ideals. For Aristotle, it was the uh, potentiality within something, but. There's some there's something corresponding here that the is an actual good. Thomas Cahill's, you know, history books. He had a book called The Gift of the Jews, where he talks about literally the law coming down the mountain from Moses. At least uh the good came from God. Certainly Platonic idealism or Platonism, the idea that there are there are these kind of forms of goodness that we reflect right, right in reality, instantiated. Now, Plato's thought eventually evolved towards the direction of some sort of the good. I think he called it, I'm remembering my Greek philosophy, this is not in our notes, the demiurge, I think is what he called it, the good. Yeah, that, the good, repl- in a sense, replaces a, a personal deity. And that's, that's right, it, that's right. In the, in the kind of Platonic... Um, so those early, early interactions between Christians and Neoplatonists, you know, that God is the good, right, became... And even one of Plato's uh, classic dialogues, the Euthyphro dilemma, where, you know, Euthyphro is this kind of guy who thinks he's very confident about knowing what is good. And now here's one of the problems, right, with public morality. Um, there are differences in people's opinions about what is good or right, true, or good action. Um, and we, we don't know where it comes from, but we know we live in it. And so the Euthyphro dilemma dilemma was is a common thing to read in like Greek philosophy classes and even uh, in the introduction to ethical reasonings and philo- philosophical decisions. you're going to read this because so is something good because the gods or you know if you're a monotheist god says it's good or is it good for some other reason right in this kind of option a kind of option b in ethical reasoning uh christians certainly said well uh it is good because of God, but it's because of God's own nature that he wills it according to something, but it's according to his own good nature. That's divine essentialism. We're not getting into all that today philosophically, yeah. <laughs> Jesse. And you don't have to have read this book to dial in with us on this podcast, because where we're going is, look, we want to look at this practically. I know that was all kind of fun philosophical journey we just took there in, in a few moments. But here, what is good matters to us, but university settings and even in public schools right where my kids are traveling currently um there there is a problem here in 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 this book uh hunter uh james davison hunter paul nedaleski this is in their preface or they give a summary of their argument at the very beginning which is very helpful they say this while the new science of morality this is speaking of the kind of 400 year project post enlightenment to define morality apart from referencing god right People really trying to do this, and we're going to talk all about that. But anyway, here's what they said. This new science of morality is pressing onward. The idea now that morality as a mind-independent 
reality has lost the possibility for the new moral scientists. They no longer believe such a thing exists. So the moral philosopher or the person, uh, neuroscience maybe is a discipline that's pursuing morality. They no longer believe that there's a mind independent, meaning that you and I just don't make this up, that there's an objective moral, moral realism, objective moral reality outside of ourselves of which we have to adhere to, right? If you're doing this, you're doing something wrong. If you're doing this, you're doing something right. That no longer exists in the minds of some of the moral philosophers of the day. So when they say they're investigating morality scientifically today, they now mean something different by morality from what most people in the past have meant by it and what most of us or you people out there listening today mean by the term moral or morality. In place of moral goodness, they substitute the merely useful. Is This has utility in society. This is something science can look at, right? Despite the language of morality... They embrace a view that in its net effect amounts to moral nihilism. Now, and what that means, guys, is this. We're literally teaching this kind of relativistic idea in school that, hey, we have useful things. We call it morality, but it's not really good. It's just convention. And whether it's achieving or useful to society's goals, are those goals good? Well, that's a question we no longer have any means to answer. This is a disaster, particularly when we have a society shouting at each other about what is good, what is just, what are our goals, what is a just society, because we have to act on these things and we don't want to pass laws that are immoral or wrong or unjust. Jesse, do we have a problem? Yeah, we have a problem. And and you, you, you mentioned, like, I, I, I grew up, with the utilitarian vision for, for goodness, right? I mean, it, it was just sort of in, in the school system. Jesse Fury, give us a brief introduction to utilitarianism. So, so essentially, uh, the good is what is the, the, gives the most pleasure or removes the most pain, you know, the, yeah. the, the highest possible good for the most possible people. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you've got all those kind of ethical dilemmas. Would you, you know, would you kill this one person to, to save five people, pay five people or, right. and so on. Um, Utilitarianism so, is also uh, under a framework called consequentialism, that our actions have outcomes, consequences, and we have to know what the consequences are in order to know whether the act is good. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, and if we don't have – there's a certain sense in which we can't help but live that way, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to think that, about that, that way. Yeah. That's right. But if we can't agree on uh, uh, going back to the source of goodness and we can't agree on – What's the aim of our goodness? What, what's, uh, you know, tra- traditionally goodness is, is the coherent way that things fit together excellently. Yeah. But if things are, are meaningless and they don't, they're not meant to fit together and we don't really know what the goal is and we don't know the source, uh, then we can't have a coherent have a, conversation. And well, how, do you, how do you plot a course? How yeah. do you plot a direction? If you don't know the outcome in advance, how do you know it's good? Well, it's a problem. It's a big problem. And here's what we're going to do here on the underground. We're not going to solve all your ethical dilemmas. Ethical dilemmas to, or to teach ethics through just problems is, in my view, problematic. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm, do I kill the one or, 
well, is it wrong to kill that one? What is the means by which we're going to kill that one, right? Is, is the action itself in killing the one good or bad? Uh, we're not going to solve all your ethical problems, but here's the direction we're going to head. We're going to look at how this in our kind of modern society is such a difficult issue. And we're going to look at certain views of morality. We're going to look at more uh, modernist views like Jesse you just mentioned utilitarianism. Either how do I get the most pleasure because that's a, like a selfish utilitarian view. How do I get the most pleasure for me and my people, right? Or the most pleasure spread around. We'll look maybe at uh, historical figures like John Stuart Mill, but certainly modern ethicists like Peter Singer, uh, who's expanded that uh, pleasure calculus to, you know, the animal kingdom. Uh, it's the most amount of pleasure or ameliorating the most amount of harm to the, to the amount of sentient creatures or something like that, however you, you extend that. So we're going to look at some of those views together and why maybe their utilitarianism is kind of difficult to deal with. We're going to look at postmodern or critical views, right? They come down through historical figures like Friedrich Nietzsche or Michel Foucault. And then modern critical theories being applied to society, things like intersectionality. Is that how we determine the good? Is it just a power fight that we're in? And we might do a specific look at uh, current scientific views or understandings. And I think one of the the better ones being put forth is by a neuroscientist uh, uh, named Sam Harris, who's an active atheist uh, in our culture. So we're going to look at some of the views on offer and how I think they're tragically difficult, then we're going to look at some solutions uh, to we're previewing the good, right? We believe the good, the true and the beautiful is actually real. And so one of the solutions we'll look at is, hey, we actually share this thing called morality because we're creating the image of God. And we'll look at some views from natural law uh, theorists like Jay Bujashevsky, University of Texas, Robbie George, Princeton University, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., right, who probably gave the most powerful appeal to natural law or the moral universe in some of his work in the civil rights movement. We're also going to look at uh, religious freedom. And while that's necessary to taste certain things, right? I love this passage in the Bible, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Um, Because God is good. And so if we don't have the freedoms in our culture in order to look at all different ideas and options, certainly religious ones. We're talking about the good. We need to. We need to look at these views. We need to look at karma and what that is and whether that's really good. We need to look at the character of the person of Jesus and be able to do that freely. And then finally, uh, in in a free society, we need to look at true nonviolent tolerance, uh, moral courage, and prophetic assertion of the good, right? And we'll probably look at Letter from Birmingham Jail to do that. And that's where we're going to go through the summer. Now, here's what I'm super excited about. We're not only going to talk this philosophy stuff, right? We're going to look at why this clear knowledge, right? People know. People get outraged when they see wrong. Oh, that's wrong, right? Huge cultural moment and opportunity we have as followers of Jesus to take this intuition, to see it in ourselves and in others, and to talk to others about the God who is good, or who is goodness, right? And Jesus himself, who is goodness incarnate. So we'll look at the some our, uh, discussions from C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, his moral argument for the existence of God, uh, some more intellectual stuff from philosopher William Lane Craig. But look, we're going to look at sharing the good news uh, in the borderlands between the church and culture, sharing the gospel uh, 
on the grounds of, right, civil rights and justice, uh, human virtues, right? Uh, if you think orange man bad, right, you're doing some uh, moral philosophy uh, that I think leads somewhere and somewhere beautiful because it should take us. I believe the, the moral law written on the heart, we see this in Romans 2, right, should lead us somewhere. Um, even philosophers like uh, Immanuel Kant, who is, I'm not a big fan of his his project said that the starry hosts above the moral law within led him to still kind of believe in something outside of himself. That's Romans one, Romans two. Certainly we like Romans three too, where we see the justification of people who are flawed, who fall short of the goodness and glory of God being saved or forgiven and redeemed and changed uh, towards, towards goodness. So, Huge opportunities. It's going to take us, Jesse. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to join me on all of these. I know. I know this is that's kind of the, the Jesse's the going for me. Jesse's going on sabbatical starting. What's the dates? May first. May first. Now, August is your board 1st. and your elder board at, at the church? Are they prohibiting you podcasting uh, during your sabbatical, or are you prohibiting yourself from podcasting during the sabbatical? You know, I haven't asked, and. Maybe we certainly can't do your own podcast for your own work, but maybe I can have you on as maybe like a civilian a guest, guest on the underground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, we are. We are going to pause uh, our our efforts on the hammer and quill. We've decided to go with a season uh, rhythm. Very good um, approach. And yeah. so we're going to we're shutting down season one, starting season two in the fall. But you know, guest spots here and there, especially because what we're what we're talking about are things that get me very excited. Um, you know, thinking about uh, even that last thing you meant, mentioned, sharing the gospel from the grounds of civil rights and justice. There's there's so much um, sound and fury right now about things like critical race theory, intersectionality, and the gospel and justice, social justice versus bi- biblical justice, and w- what's valid, what's not valid. Um, that I, number one, I'd love to to mix it up and talk about it, but but also I, I've been thinking a lot about how. Um, the, the ground is so ripe right now for someone, not me, yeah. but someone to uh, to provide a comprehensive, biblical, natural law, um, revel, you know, special revelation, yep. sourced vision for uh, for justice, for for racial, ethnic justice uh, that that is just it's lacking. Right. There's a vacuum. And instead of instead of filling it and sourcing it, there's all this anyway. So fighting about, I get excited about that. it's, yeah. it's all these peripheral, peripheral skirmishes. Um, but it's not like getting the borderland. Yeah, that's right. The borderlands right now are just like shots fired left that's and right. right. And, that's and, right. And, and, but there, it, you could, you could, you could make a garden out here in the borderlands to grow something. And, and so, and maybe we should now, Jesse, we're not going to have a project here on the underground that's going to unite natural law and special revelation, mind and reason, <laughs> because there are much better scholars probably writing books on such things. But we want to talk about practically how do we live out here, right? Yeah. How do we make that garden? In the borderlands. Now, one of the things I'm excited about next week, uh, March 25th, Lord willing, uh, Kayla at college is come uh, is going to come back. I think her, Kayla's a, probably our most frequented guest here on the underground. But she's she's the MVP of yeah, college. She, she's the and, MVP of college and, and the MVP uh, of gospel underground guests. Yeah, she's uh, she's an MVP in my eyes as her dad. That's for sure. And so uh, we're going to have her on because she's actually one of the Lord's young people in college, uh, 
effectively sharing the gospel in in secular space, um, whereby this argument from goodness and morality and the repulsion we feel towards moral nihilism um, is actually bearing fruit. Uh, yeah. in preparing grounds of hearts and minds to hear about the the good risen God who saves. So uh, not not far from what we're talking about, we're going to get practical with Kayla and hear from her, from kind of the front lines of the university setting at least, of uh, living in community with Christian and non-Christians, deep friendship, uh, and being uh, one who belongs to Jesus in that space. Jesse, I'm not trying to get you to violate your uh, sabbatical before you start, but I would love to have you as a special guest civilian on a day where you're just feeling a little lonely to just talk about ideas in sabbatical. You could do that with us here on well, I certainly want to the be underground. Here. This, is, uh, this is fun for me and love to have the conversations. And frankly, I'm looking forward to hearing from Kayla. Love that girl, man. Proud of her. She's going to be with us, guys, here very soon. Kayla from college, at college, doing work. Jesse, before sabbatical, will be with us here. And maybe as a special guest civilian after sabbatical. Who knows? knows? Hey, man, appreciate you. Love that hat. I don't know what color you call that. Is that teal, mint green? What is that? It's a a minty teal. No, I, I don't f- know. I, I guess I would call it seal. It's pretty sharp, though. Isn't oh, it? he's looking pretty fly, Jesse. The Gospel Underground Podcast produced in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. You know what we like along with five stars? Three or four sentences about how you like this podcast. It will help us. Send your feedback, comments, questions you might want us to take up here to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue. We out here taking place at the borderlands between the church and culture. Jesse Fury, Reed Monahan, signing out. Peace. Peace.